Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. There's a story that one day the devil wanted to sell his tools. So he put his tools out for public display. There was lust, there was pride, there was envy, there was bitterness. But there was one tool that was very worn, but much more expensive than the rest of the tools. And somebody said, well, devil, why is this tool expensive? And he said, because that one works better than all the others combined. Well, what's the name of that tool? And the devil said, discouragement. People I can't get with all the other tools, I can get them with this one. <laughs> well, today our show is entitled, Encouragement is Crucial. And let me ask you something. Do you go to church? I hope you go to church. Because I don't know in this day and age if you can stay a Christian without the encouragement of your Christian brothers and sisters. So, I mean, now and then someone would come out of church and say, Pastor, the reason I come to church is I have such a difficult marriage or I have such a difficult fill-in-the-blank. I just love to come to church and be encouraged by the Lord. So I want to encourage you, um, find a good church, hang in there, and today we're going to look at the Apostle Paul who was always getting beaten up by life and we're going to see how he rose above it all, how he stayed encouraged, and how he persevered to the end. Take out your Bible, please. Turn to Acts chapter 14. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas are traveling around what's today Turkey. It was then called Asia Minor. The year is about 45 AD. They're on their first missionary journey. And let's see what happens to Paul time and again, but let's pray first. Father, there's not one of us that has not felt the tool of discouragement in our lives. And we would pray, Lord, as we look at the Apostle Paul, teach us, Lord, how to be encouraged and how to rise above the trials of life. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul the Apostle right, uh, is, is traveling, Acts chapter 14, look at verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch, Paul had been kicked out of Antioch, and from Iconium, Paul was almost stoned to death in Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds in Lystra, a third town, they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Here's the first lesson for today. Christians get beaten up by this world. This is part of the package. I found an old sermon that I preached way back in 1995. Can I quote this? Friday was a discouraging day for me. I turned on the news and here with one stroke of the pen, President Bill Clinton decides we will now be experimenting on unborn children, our tax dollars will go for abortion counseling at Planned Parenthood, and we will perform abortions now in military hospitals. 
Two nights before he did all this, President Clinton was praying at a Baptist prayer meeting. Mr. President, something is wrong. And then, on Friday, I opened my mail. It was a, Leonard, uh, a letter from Synod Headquarters, our local Evangelical Lutheran Church in America headquarters. Now, that's the very liberal branch of Lutheranism. The church I served and I left that years ago, but I was still in it at this point. We had offered a resolution that we reaffirm the Bible's teaching that sex is for marriage. The bishop and the council rejected our resolution because that might make homosexuals feel uncomfortable. And I wrote them back and said, if we, can't, if we are so compromised today that we can no longer say that sex is for marriage only, it is over for our denomination. And you know what? Years after I, this letter, that they went ahead and they, uh, they're now approving homosexual behavior in the Lutheran Church for pastors, and that, church, that denomination is shrinking. So that was a discouraging week. But then I read this verse that the Apostle Paul, they stoned him and they dragged him out of town as dead. And I thought, well, it's part of the package <laughs> that Christians get beaten up by this world. But years later, Paul is reminiscing back on these days at Lystra, and he writes this, his last letter is 2 Timothy, and he writes this, My persecutions, my sufferings, what befell me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In other words, Christian, just know it's part of the package. Look at verse 20. But when the disciples gathered around Paul, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. Now, I want you to look at verse 20 and answer this question. When you get beaten up by this world, what should you do? And the answer is, you need disciples around you. Paul gets stoned. He gets the disciples around him, and he stands up again. When you get beaten up by this world, you need to go to church. Have a good group of Christians that can uphold you and encourage you. I will tell you, um, I've shared on this program before, that I have struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life, this pull toward homosexuality. But there's a group called Courage. I'm a Lutheran. It's a Catholic group. But they're a group of men, and they meet together. They pray for each other. They counsel. These are celibate people who are not giving in to that for the sake of Christ and their souls. So I go to that. And it's my way of getting the apostles around me so I don't fall. You know, I hope you go to a good church, but not just go to church. I hope you're part of a Bible study or a growth group where you're intimately connected with Christians so you can encourage one another. I will tell you, um, if you try to be a Christian on your own, it doesn't work. I was at a restaurant. The waitress finds out I'm a preacher. and Well, I, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Church is full of hypocrites. And then, you know, she starts telling me what she believes. She was very much into the pro-homosexual movement and, and, and those beliefs anyway, and just, just, just very unbiblical beliefs. And, and, but I'm not, I love Jesus, but I'm not going to church full of hypocrites. I came this close to saying, room for one more. 
But, you know, my point is, if you, if you cut yourself off from the church, your, your b- beliefs, your theology gets weird. You need the encouragement of a good church. Find one and go every week. Verse 21. When they, Paul and Barnabas, had preached the gospel to that city, Derbe, and had made many disciples, get this, they returned to Lystra, where he'd been, um, where he'd been stoned, to Iconium, where he'd almost been stoned, and to Antioch, where they kicked him out of town. Uh, here's the next lesson. Follow your call, God's calling on your life, follow your calling and refuse to give up. Paul knew he was called to be a missionary, and they kept beating him up town after town. He didn't give up. He kept being a missionary. Follow your call and refuse to give up. I will tell you this, six and a half years ago, there was a homosexual magazine in Minneapolis that found out that I was attending that courage group. And so they sent a reporter undercover who lied his way into the group saying that he wanted help with this problem too. He wrote this horrible article implying that I was doing stuff I've never done in my life. He just trashed me and this, this Catholic Courage group, and it was, it was the worst time of my life. It was horrendous. And I'll tell you what, I was so tempted in six years ago to quit the Christian ministry, move to Florida, move into a little home, and never do anything again. <laughs> that was a strong temptation. I had a dream, and during that difficult period, I dreamt that I left everything, moved to Florida, left the ministry, moved into my new place, and I had nothing to do. And I heard a voice say, do your calling, and I woke up. (laughs) And that's why you're seeing me on TV six years later, because I refuse to give up my calling. You know, some of you are Christian parents. That can be a hard calling. Some of you are at an a, a office or a factory, your job, and you know that God wants you there to, to bring the light of Christ to your office. That can be a hard calling. Well, we need to remember what Paul did. You get your Christian brothers and sisters around you, and you keep going at it. There was a band of American soldiers that got cut off in World War I and the, the Germans had, had isolated them and were starving them out. Finally, one day, a, an airplane flew over with parachutes dropping water and canteens and food for the Americans, and the American general wrote, hang on, I'm coming. And the American troops came, got rid of the Germans, and the Americans were saved. I think that's a, cr- a picture of the Christian life, especially right now, Christians are being targeted in our culture. But we have a general who is saying, hang on, I'm coming. It's called the second coming of Christ, and then we win. Now, let's move on now and look at why Paul the Apostle went back into the frying pan three times. He goes back to these cities that tried to kill him. And let's, let's see why he did that. Look at verse 22. So he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So why did Paul go back to these three cities that just tried to kill him? Here's the next lesson. Paul believed 
follow-up is crucial. Paul didn't just say, oh, you Lystrans, you got saved, you accepted Christ, great, next, and move on. No, he moved on, but then he'd come back. Well, are you still following Christ? Are you, are you still fighting the good fight? Paul thought fellow, a follow-up was, was crucial. So let me ask you this. Have you ever led someone to Christ? And if you did, have you ever followed them up? Have you called them and said, how you doing? Did you ever find a good church? I'm praying for you. I mean, uh, at the church I served, we'd now and then go door to door in the neighborhood and share the gospel with people. And sometimes people did accept Christ. What you need to do then is not just say, okay, bye. You call them the next week or you say, can I, can I come pick you up for church? Or You got to follow people up. Paul risked his neck three times at Antioch, Lystra uh, to follow people up. All right, the last verse is verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, I want you to look at verse 23 and answer this question. What should I do if I need guidance? And the answer is prayer and fasting. You know, Paul, probably Paul and Barnabas are saying, Lord, we don't know which of these people you want us to choose to be the elders in Lystra or wherever. Lord, we're going to just not going to eat for a while. We're going to just pray. And, and you know, if you, maybe you need a financial decision or you need to make a decision about a relationship. Or, so maybe just say, Lord, for a day or two, I'm not going to eat. I'll, I'll drink water, but I'm just going to take some time to pray. I'm going to pray and fast and see if the Lord doesn't answer your prayer. One last lesson from verse 23. Every church needs elders. Here they're appointing elders in every church. And I was having a shoulder problem, so I go up to the pastor at his church that I was at, say, could I get the elders to anoint me with oil and, and pray for my shoulder to do James chapter 5, where that's what you do if you're sick? And he said, oh, sorry, we don't have elders at our church. I'm thinking, well, then how do you do James chapter 5, where the elders pray for the sick. <laughs> so every church needs elders. Well, I want to close the sermon now by giving you a take-home to do. Can I do that? Would you do one of two things from what you've heard? Number one, would you do follow-up? You know, if you have led someone to Christ, would you write them a letter, send them an email, Give them a phone call. Send them a Christian book. Do something to follow that person up. Invite them to church. Or do number two. Once a day for the next seven days, try to find one person each day to encourage. I was sitting in church, and up a few rows ahead of me was this sweet, older Christian lady. I barely know her, but we've talked just a few times. But... She just seems to me the sweetest Christian lady. And so it just kind of came over me almost. Tom, go up and tell her that. So at the time of the service, let's all stand up and shake hands. And I went over to this lady and I said, you know, you just seem to be the sweetest Christian lady to me. And her face just beamed. I mean, it looked like she was having a, maybe a rough week. But it just, it was, it, was, it was from the Lord is what I want to tell you. Can, for the next seven days, once a day, try to find somebody to encourage. And I close with this. I got a phone call from a pastor in California 
who was part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the big, very liberal, and if I may say it, heretical branch of the Lutheran Church. And he said, please pray for me. My congregation is having a meeting this Sunday, voting on whether to kick me out of the church. He said, I've started preaching pro-life, and they want me out of here. And the prior pastor was so liberal, he kind of infected this church. He still comes to this church, and he, he when I preached against homosexuality one day, he, he, in front of the treasurer, ripped up his offering that day and said, I'm not giving any money to this church. And he said, the bishop, the liberal bishop of our area, has brought in a homosexual to be a member of our church, and he's the biggest giver. And he said, this is so hard on my wife, and please pray for me. And I said to him, I will. And I said, but you know what? I happen to be studying this week and preaching on Acts chapter 14 here, where Paul gets beat up and he moves on. And he gets beat up again and he moves on. I said, you know what? You must be doing something right. <laughs> so my point is, every, the devil has used his tool called discouragement on everybody. Would you do this for the next seven days? Try to find one person each day and say something encouraging to them. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, what do you say to someone who says, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian? I say, find that verse for me in the Bible, because it's not in there, Jackie. What is in there is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together with believers, but encourage one another all the more as the day is drawing near. Jesus invented the church. The early Christians were all part of a local congregation or a church, and to say that I don't need that is to say Jesus didn't know what he was doing. Okay, you talked about the elders. Mm -hmm. What are elders supposed to do in the church? Yeah, the elders are the people that do the, um, the leadership of the church, the teaching over the church. So um, uh, you need a group of elders to teach, to lead, to do the anointing with oil, and that's what the elders are for. Okay, yeah. then can you tell me what are the deacons the, for? There was a second group of people in the early church called the deacons. The, the word deacons means the servants. And they, uh, in the book of Acts, for instance, they took care of get, making sure the widows got food. And they're kind of the servants doing various ministries of the church. So the elders, and the elders are supposed to be men, the elders are the ones doing the teaching over the church. The deacons, and they talk about, we think it's deaconesses too, so we think women can be deaconesses, and they're the ones who are helping with all the services of the church. Put them together, you need both bodies in the church. Okay. Does every um, Christian denomination have elders and deacons? Um, mm, sometimes they, they have them, but they call them something different. Okay. They might call the elders the church council and the deacons the trustees or whatever. But Jackie, if I'm in a church and they don't have a little group of, of spiritual men who can anoint me with oil, James chapter 5, Something's wrong, and that's that's what was happening at this church I told that I just preached on. Okay, we all need elders. Name them what you will, but we need church leaders. Yeah. If a person knows that they need to join a church, how do they know 
if a church is a good one? Mm -hmm. What what's the test? Yeah. You that know, I just I'm a Lutheran, Jackie, and I just preached about the mess that is called the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. It's become very unbiblical. Not that there aren't some good congregations still in that denomination. There are. But I think it's time to get out because they pay for abortion with offering dollars. And they now ordain practicing homosexuals. So Jackie, I get this question fairly often. How do I know if I go to this Methodist church or this Presbyterian church or this you know, uh, Lutheran church if it's a good one? Very easy, Jackie. <laughs> you're, you're shaking hands after visiting this church and say, Pastor, can I just take one minute of your time? I'm, I'm shopping for a church. Can I just ask you a few questions? Number one, Pastor, do you believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God? Number two, Pastor, uh, do you believe that the virgin birth of Christ, the miracles of the Bible, that these things took place? Pastor, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? You'll be surprised how many pastors don't believe in hell. Pastor, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? And then, Pastor, tell me your views about premarital sex, abortion, homosexuality. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you get, well, those are deep, complex questions. I'm not sure I can answer in such a... Get out of there. Go to a church where the pastor says, of course we believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. Of course there's a heaven and a hell. That's what Jesus taught. If you get good, clear answers, that's a good church. <laughs> okay. Can I take this one point further then? How can... What churches are really cults that people yeah. should avoid? These are A cult is a group that says they're Christian, but they're not because they deny basic Christian teaching. So if you go to a church and they deny that Jesus is God, they deny the one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they deny we're saved by grace alone, they uh, stay away. Here's the churches that are not churches. Okay. Mormons, Mormons, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they believe in thousands of gods. Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe Jesus is not God and basically the way you get to heaven is, is by uh, works. Can I interrupt you with yeah. that right there? Mm -hmm. But those two bodies do more door knocking they do. to share their faith I know. than any other denomination. Yeah, I know. It's sad. And what the good news is, when they've done surveys of how people come to Christ, almost nobody comes to Christ by people knocking on their door. But you're right, Jackie, they put us to shame on that a little bit. So stay away from Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, stay away, stay away from Christian science. Uh, it's neither Christian nor scientific. Stay away from the New Age movement. Stay away from the Unity Church. Uh, stay away from the Unification Church of the Reverend Moon, who has died now, but they thought he was the second coming of Christ. Those are some churches to stay away from. Okay. If if you have a good pastor at your church, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you would recommend to do to encourage yep. them to stay on track? Yes. We just preached on encouragement being crucial and how the devil loves to use the tool called encouragement. And old Pastor Carlson used to say, for every one time the devil walks around a parishioner's house, he walks around the pastor's house ten times. So it's important to encourage your pastor. Uh, tell him you're praying for him. If you have an issue with your pastor, don't take it to 14 people in church. Take it to him first, you know. So don't gossip about your pastor. If you've got an issue with him, go to him humbly and lovingly and share your thoughts with him. But don't, don't take it everywhere else. Um, you know, just pray for him, encourage him, send him on Christian. You know, some pastors need to be go going twice a year to some kind of conference to re renew their faith. Send them on co good conferences. Those are some ways. Okay, 
Is there ever a time that a church should ask a pastor to leave? I mean, yeah, yeah. Is that happening? Uh, you know, Jackie. If the past, I mean, if a pastor gets up and preaches that, I mean, Jackie, I got a letter from somebody in northern Minnesota, and she sent me the sermon. Her pastor, her Lutheran ELCA pastor, got in the pulpit and came out of the closet talking about how God has given him a partner now and how he and her and his husband are are together. They should humbly say, sorry, you're not our pastor anymore. So when it comes to heresy and the pastor is not taking correction, then you have a meeting and say, okay, sorry, you got to go. Okay. In today's world, which denominations are growing and which aren't? Mm -hmm. I mean, if people are looking for churches and that, I think that's a good point to think about. Well, the churches that are growing are the biblical, non-denominational churches. These evangelical churches are getting huge. The Assemblies of God Church, more charismatic, they're, they're a very large congregation. Baptists are doing pretty well. The churches that are shrinking and dying are the ones that are abandoning Scripture. I'll tell you what they are. The United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church USA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, and the Disciples of Christ. All of these have been good denominations in the past. They've all succumbed to the pro-abortion, pro-homosexual route. Again, not that there aren't some good congregations in all those denominations, but overwhelmingly, from the top especially, they've gone very heretical. Okay. You know, some churches have communion like every week. Some Mm -hmm. have it once a month. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there a rule to the from the different churches on how that's done? You know, we just preached encouragement is crucial and the Holy Holy Communion is a way to really get encouragement as well. Just to take the body and blood of Christ, the bread and wine, and be assured your sins are forgiven and you're a child of God. And I think I think it's great to do it every week. I need it every week. There are some churches that do it once a month. There are some churches that only do it like three or four times a year. It seems to be, I don't think there's a rule on this one. It would appear from what I can see in the book of Acts, it was done probably on a weekly basis in the early church. But at, at least once a month I want communion, you know. So... Tom, we've only got less than a minute left, but would you like to maybe close today sure. instead of me and tell people what's happening a little sure, bit? Sure, everybody. We want to just uh, uh, just thank you because you've encouraged us. I didn't know we'd still be on national TV six years later, but here we are because the money has come in. And so uh, what we do is the more money we get, the more cities we add to air our TV program. So if you've been giving, we pray we thank you for that. Pray that you pray for our ministry. If the Lord nudges you to support us, go to pastorstudy.org. People give through PayPal on that level, or you can just send us a letter. The address will be there in a minute. But we are are encouraged, Jackie, with what what you, our people, have done. And not only that, at that website, they can also see any of your shows. That's right. You can watch our TV show for free at pastorstudy2s.org. Well, that's it. See you next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.